Welcome to The Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. All views expressed by speakers on The Bean Pod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on The Bean Pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. BeamPod is presented by DowMaker, the top crypto launchpad in the industry. DowMaker allows people to participate in top crypto projects before they launch and generate some of the best returns you can find anywhere. They also provide growth solutions for crypto projects that are looking for funding and assistance with marketing. With their revolutionary new public strongholder offerings, everyone can get early access to top crypto projects regardless of their net worth. DowMaker is rapidly disrupting the venture capital industry. If you're interested, head over to DowMaker.com to learn more. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. And this is Josh, the Nifty Investor. Today, we're going to be talking about wartime stocks. Because with rising tensions in Europe right now, there's a few stocks that could absolutely rip if there does happen to be a war. Absolutely. There's, there's certain sectors of the stock market that always perform well in the run-up to war and during war. And we're going to discuss all those today because these could be some of the best names that you could get into over the next like, you know, three to six months yep. that could really boost your portfolio, which a lot of people's portfolios need a bit of boosting right now. Mm. Check these sectors out. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants anybody to go to war. You know, that's terrible for a lot of the sectors, a lot of the industries. We don't want this to happen. Not at all. But if you want to hedge your bets and put a few bucks into some of these, you know, stocks that we're, go- we're going to be talking about today, these companies, then... This is a definitely a podcast to tune into. And yeah, I mean, so what's going on right now? We got <clears throat> Russia is there's tensions that Russia is going to invade the Ukraine. Yeah, right. Why are they looking to do this? Um, there's you know this conflict goes back many years. There's you know uh, Russian population in Ukraine that might identify with Russia. There's natural resources. You know, it's a very complicated situation over there. Right. Um, the U.S. is now potentially stepping in. There's other countries that could be stepping in. You know, China, who knows what they're going to do. It, it's a time of great uncertainty right now. Um, and in, great un- in times of great uncertainty, there's certain things you can do with your portfolio to position yourself in the short to midterm that could, one, protect your investments um, and also capitalize. I mean, as we said, we, you know, we in no way condone war. We don't like it. But at a certain time, you, you have to kind of play world events. Yep. Um, and there are co- there's companies that benefit from what's going on, and those are the names we're going to discuss today, right? Yeah. So basically, this <clears throat> doing some research on this, it looks like back in 2014, Russia there, there was tensions building since 2014. I'm sure prior to that, but the significant event was that Russia wants access to the Black Sea, and Ukraine's membership with the EU and NATO creates a bit of a, a Western wall of allied countries. So they they want better access to this uh, plot of land. Right. Right. So we need to have a diversified portfolio because if a a resolution is met, then like, let's say we invested in, um, you know, like different uh, company that uh, manufactures ammunition. Right. Right. If a resolution is met, you don't want to be only holding that company because it will go, you know, it could, it could drop off pretty freaking quick. For sure. For sure. You want to diversify yourself here. So what, what have you found? Like, what are some, what's some information that you found here? So, <clears throat> I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense when you really do your research. The companies that provide the equipment for 
things that get used in war, yeah. right? So the tanks, the planes, the guns, the radar technology, all those kind of equipment that get used in war, they need a lot more of them right? over a long term. So, you know, a lot of these wars that have happened in the past, they go years, right? They go multiple years. Um, and the USA has to ramp up production. The UK has to ramp up production. All these countries are fed by really a small group of, of companies that are building these machines. Yeah. Um, so it's supply and demand. Demand for these tanks increases significantly. Their stock price <laughs> reflects it. And after doing research on these companies, you can already see some of the run-ups are happening. Yeah. Ever since the tensions started, maybe a month, a little bit over a month ago, early December, these companies are creeping up because the insiders know, right? Mm -hmm. Someone always knows yeah. before these things happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's equipment providers, right? So that is definitely one of the plays you know, I, I did identify. I did find another sneaky little way into it. So <clears throat> let me go back here a bit. Um, 1990 Gulf War. We had Iraq invaded Kuwait. Right. Kuwait is a big oil producer, right? One that I think it was number one in the world at the time. Oil shot up 100% at that time. So I was like, okay, if oil shot up, because now the world can't receive oil. <clears throat> what is Russia known for? Well, Russia is the natural gas, is a second in the world, second largest exporter of oil. Uh, natural gas is petroleum. Right. So the U.S. imports 540,000 barrels per day of petroleum from Russia. Mm, big one. So Russia is actually the U.S.'s number two supplier. Right. So oil. So I looked at some oil stocks, some natural gas companies uh, like Occidental <coughs> trades in the ticker OXY. If you want to trade on momentum, this thing has been ripping over the past like five months or so. Really? But it's still down a third from its all time high. When was like a long time ago, probably. Um, I think yeah. it was something like five years ago or so. Right. But it, right now it's absolutely on a tear and it's still low. So if you cut off the supply of what the world needs or what at least the U.S. needs, it's, it, this looks like an amazing play. Mm, interesting. So oil and gas, <clears throat> energy, yeah. any of that stuff that Russia is a big player in that yeah. could potentially be sanctioned against, that's that's a play. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're not, they're not exporting it. Mm. We're relying on it. Prices are going to go up. Vodka stocks? <clears throat> yeah, vodka. Yeah. yeah vodka yeah. stocks could be a good one. So some kettle one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Looking, stocking it yeah. already. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, interesting. It, I mean, other than the equipment providers, um, which which we'll talk about in a bit, any other sectors? So equipment providers, oil and gas, natural resources. Um, I feel like also metals, mm -hmm. like gold and silver, which are generally inflation hedges and also risk off assets. Yep. So, you know, in times of uncertainty, in times of buildup to war, during war, that can be seen as a riskier time to invest. Because of the uncertainty, will one side lose? What's going to happen? Attacks here and there. So a risk-off asset like gold or silver will probably see a significant amount of capital allocated to it. Right. Um, I think gold and silver are kind of overdue for a run. They haven't really performed too well, even though a lot said they were going to perform well during COVID. Um, I think now, with the uncertainty in the world, I think gold and silver could potentially be plays. Mm. Or, big, I mean, you could look into a, a digital asset as well, yeah. which is... Also, be said to be a yeah. I understand. It's like, a little more risk on. I understand. Though, right? Yeah, it's a bit more risk yeah. on. Maybe some communication stocks as well, like AT and T. Yep. T Mobile for sure. Stuff like that where you need you need to get word of mouth out really quick. I right. mean, 
for gold. Um, so I've, I've invested in uh, different ways of, of doing gold before. So you can invest in the miners. Um, you can obviously buy physical gold itself um, or you can invest in the ETFs. Right. Um, so gold miners that I like and have invested in the past, uh, Newmont Corp, NEM, which is one of the biggest, I think possibly the biggest gold mining company in the world. Um, there's also Barrick Gold, which is headquartered in Toronto. Um, Canadian company, uh, the ticker is gold, G-O-L-D. Uh, so those are probably the two miners that I would look at. Um, you could also go with the gold ETFs. So there's two different gold ETFs. One is, uh, it's a gold shares ETF, GLD. They actually have deposits of physical gold. Um, so it's a different way of playing it. And then there's also an ETF that's the gold miners. Mm. I think it's GDX. Right. So they have various shares in all the bigger and smaller gold miners from around the world. So if you're looking for gold stocks, those are some some pretty good ones to check out. Uh, for silver, I have also dabbled in silver a little bit. Um, I just stick to, it's iSilver Trust. It's like an ETF. The ETF, yeah, yeah. SLV. Yeah. Um, if you look at those, they look poised potentially for a breakout and in times of uncertainty, risk off assets could be a good play. Mm. I really, I, I mean, I really, for this episode, for this podcast, I really focused on the energy side of things just because I was trying to find something that was already trading lower. Because when I look at, when I already look at, uh, you know, like the ammunitions, the tanks, the, you know, all these type of war, like true war stocks. Like, yeah, defense stocks. You know, when, once you think of it, oh yeah, like airplanes and those ones have already kind of been trading at like a pretty good level at the moment. So I was trying to find stuff that's been being down, but has, is, is hot, you know? And if, if Russia is a massive <clears throat> exporter of oil, of petroleum, of natural gas, you know, like these ones are on fire right now, man. They're ripping. Another one is uh, Devon en Energy. Yep. Um, right now they're doing, a one, so it's a 1% dividends that they offer. They're anticipating providing 8% dividends by the end of the year. Wow. Because they are absolutely just ripping right now. They got huge cash flows. You know, that trades on the ticker of DVN. It's another one. Um, so speaking to how much oil and natural gas the U.S. actually uses too, right? So heating, cooking, electricity, 34% of the U.S. energy consumption comes from natural gas. So you got something like Southwestern Energy, SWN. Uh, $4.6 billion market cap, 200% revenue growth over the past year. You got another one, Comstock Resources, CRK. They got 190% revenue growth. The sales have tripled. Um, previous quarter, $90 million loss. Now they're, like I just said, massive profits, right? Um, interesting. Production interesting. increase, 25%. Trading at a half of its all-time high. Mm. But it's upward trajectory right now is insane right Interesting. So a lot point. of these like energy stocks look freaking poised man yeah no i like it energy could be a hidden gem sector to play for a potential wartime time of uncertainty right yeah. especially if sanctions do come down against russia or any other country that's involved in this conflict if it happens right um that could be a sneaky good play I like and that. E even without even <laughs> without war for example like a lot of these <clears throat> stocks do tend to run leading up into the winter for example right you know when people are going to be running their heaters and all that you can invest in those in you know about the springtime like because it's already the price is already built in about eight months in advance okay so you can start these are safer plays in case the war does doesn't pan out which right. we don't want it to pan out yeah right so you're kind of protected <clears throat> in either way <clears throat> yeah no i like it so I think I do want to talk about the equipment provider names because yeah, let's those, do it. no, but, but before that, I just kind of want to talk about the overall market 
and how it performs before war, during war, and after war, right? Because I feel like most people would assume war, bad for market, market dive, right? Mm. Um, but if you look at the past, Interesting. so let's go through what's happened here. World War II, as soon as that got announced or started, the market fell 34%. Six months later, it was 25% above where it was at when it started. Korean War, as soon as it started, minus 8%. Six months after that, up 29%. Cuban Missile Crisis, down 7%. Six months later, up 30%. Iraq War, each time, down around 12%. Each time, it ended up six months after that, 28% up. So it's a buy-the-dip opportunity every time, right? Yeah. It, you know, it, it always blows over. I think the uncertainty and buildup and surprise of a start of any conflict is the worst part for markets and people in general because you don't know what's going to happen. Once, once you know, war does eventually start, people kind of settle into it and, you know, it's, it's going to be years. Okay, back to business as usual in the countries that, you know, are lucky enough not to be on the ground of the war, right? Yeah. So it's not as much of a panic in the market as you think it would be. Um, the markets always recover, as we always know, from any sort of fear or scare or anything. So it is always, I think it's always looked at as a buy-the-dip opportunity. But certain sectors will perform better than others. Yeah. And that's the equipment providers. So listen to this stat. They looked at all the previous past five major global wars. An investor who put $2,000 into a small group of top defense stocks, equipment providers, at the start of the war... Uh, so say it's uh, $2,000 into five companies, the five, probably the big ones we're going to talk about later in the episode. That $10,000 would, would return $97,000 at the end of the war. Wow. So 10X. That same $10,000 invested into the S&P 500 would return $60,000. So it's a 6X with regular markets because markets always grow, yeah. but 10X on this specific sector. Right. So that's how you know this is really the sector mm. for wartime stocks. What, what war was like... <clears throat> which war was that? Where this was Iraq war, Afghan, modern war, Iraq okay, war, mo Afghanistan, yeah. uh, that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it really does relate to what's going on right now. Yeah. Cause you know, you can look at some of the previous wars, you know, we mentioned world war two, uh, the Korean war, uh, what Vietnam war, you know, it almost seems like the businesses in the globe was not as globalized yet. So whatever was operating in the current regions, we're most effective, but now because we're on a global economy, you know, and everybody relies on each other so much that things could be slightly different right. this time around. Yep, for sure. But at the end of the day, the S&P continues to climb no yep. matter what. I mean, there's always a quick sell-off and then boom. You, you know? can always just look at the any sort of announcement of conflict or build up to conflict or anything uncertain in the world as just a buy-the-dip opportunity in the S&P 500. It's funny how that happens, eh? Like, how does it just keep going up? No matter what, even if this war went on for four years, like, do we just become uh, acclimatized to it, accustomed to it? The world always recovers. Yeah. It's like the human body recovers. You get a cut on your hand, it recovers. It just always recovers. Slowly but surely. As you know, everyone says, you know, Bitcoin going to zero, stocks going to zero, you know, for a little time and then eventually. It recovers. And, you yeah. know, the S&P 500 is predominantly made up by a small group of companies, mm -hmm. the big tech companies, the big this, the big oil, whatever. Yeah. And those companies just ride on. Yeah. You know, the war isn't going to take down Amazon or Facebook. So you could always just buy the dip in the tech companies. Um, but you could look at metals. You could look at oil and gas, like Josh just said, or the equipment the providers. Equipment, yeah, the actual yeah. equipment providers. So who you got for equipment providers? Uh, the largest shipbuilder, Huntington, Huntington Ingle. Yep. H-I-I. Uh, yep. Um, you know, <clears throat> you're going to need ships. Yep. Uh, you got to transport if 
you got to transport materials, uh, maybe submarines. You need to get stuff across the ocean. You, you can't just rely on just the air. So for sure. I mean, you know, on, on the surface, you'd say, you know, Russia, it's a big country. It's all land-based, but the ships are used for everything that they have the coastline up in Norway. Exactly. You never know if China's going to be involved over in the China sea with Japan. Ships are always needed. Different routes they can take. So you got to ship everything over there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always a thing, right? Another one would be general dynamics. Yeah. That was a big one for sure. They got the missiles, the ballistic missiles. Uh, The the number one uh, manufacturer of tanks, American tanks. So that's. They offer dividends. Yep. Um, They have a four year, $300 million contract with the government. I think they're into year two or so of that contract at the moment. And if you look at the chart, it's literally just always up. Yeah. It never, it seems to just stay on an upward trajectory for the past 40 years. Well, you know, as unfortunate as it is, defense spending is only going to get more as, you know, more threats of conflict as, you know, China's rising, Russia conflict. War is just ongoing in the world, right? And I I saw a funny parallel um, about why defense stocks, if you want to call them, or wartime stocks are just so good. And as you said, why does the chart always go up? It's because at the base of it, they're subscription-based business models. As you just said, they have a subscription, they have a model that with the government, four years, four years, guaranteed revenue, guaranteed production. It's not like a, a marketplace where you're relying on you need new customers. You have to do marketing. You have to spend on marketing. It's much more simple. Mm. Contract, four years, produce tanks, yeah. money. And then once they have all these tanks produced, they got to use them. Mm. You can't just have a surplus of tanks lying around. You have a contract. And to keep building them up. Right? So you got to... It's almost like some of these wars are... I don't want to get too conspiracy-like. Yeah. You know what I mean? But sometimes it seems like... Created for money. It's created for money. For sure. So that they can... While we produced all these tanks, we produced all these bullets, Mm. but we got to use them somehow. Yeah. Because we have a four-year contract. What are you going to do? Just keep storing them into... No yeah. warehouse somewhere, right? So. It's true. The, uh, you never seen the movie Lord of War with Nicolas Cage? It talks about how you know war is the greatest money machine that right. human has ever ever created. Because you need to you need to buy, you need to build, and then things just get destroyed. You need to build again. So these companies, even maybe not even in wartime, these are still good companies to look at because subscription based manufacturing business models with contracts with the governments. Mm. And it seemed the the planet's been at war for I don't know since it's, since people are around like it. For Since sure. the existence, right? We always seem to be fighting with each other. Yep. And there'll be another one. So another name I had is Lockheed Martin. I think that's a pretty popular one. It's like a huge global security aerospace company. I think that one of the number one manufacturers for the stealth fighters and the bombers that the American military uses. Right. Um, so I feel like war nowadays is, is you know, so air-based and everything like that. Um, so a company like Lockheed Martin, not, not, only, not even just in wartime or in times of uncertainty, it just seems like a rock-solid company. Um, the chart has ticked up lately as conflicts have been rising. So it's one to look at. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, in terms of, you know, another big name is uh, L3 Harris, LXH. Uh, it's a defense co- contractor specializing in wireless equipment. Yep. So that's what I was saying earlier. You know, you look to your, your communications. These guys on the ground need to be com- communicating with the guys in the air. The guys in the air need to be com- communicating with the guys at the sea. You know, so communication is such a big aspect for planning coordinating so that's another one they offer uh, offer dividends right any company that's offering dividends they're doing well right they're all old school companies right they're not nasdaq tech companies that ipo in the last five years yeah they're established 50 100 year old businesses that are ingrained in american business yeah and it's like another general dynamics type of chart it's just always up always up so yeah 
Yeah, ride, ride it. For sure. Another name I had was uh, Raytheon RTX. They make the missiles. They make the ammunition for the tanks and the planes. Right. So you, you cover all aspects of the war machine, right? These are the companies that profit from conflict, whether it's the tanks or the planes or the ships or the missiles or the radar technology or the communications, right? There's a company that does each of them. Mm. And, you know, you could choose one, you could choose a few, but yeah, check them out. You can see that the, the charts have already reacted. Yeah. Um, but as that stat that I said, you know, a few minutes ago, if you look at the, over the course of wars, they still perform well, even over the entire conflict. It's not just the start where they take up. It could be a sign of things to come. Exactly. So and if the war goes on for four years or five years mm-hmm. and there's, you know, tension going on there, or maybe the U S decides to go back to Iraq or, you know, know. they're safe. They're, I don't want to say they're safe plays, but they're defense plays. Yeah, it's a defensive play for your portfolio. Exactly. I like it. I like it. <laughs> and if we're spitballing too many different names at you, there's always the ETF. They do have the iShares US Aerospace uh, and Defense. Right. Uh, trades under the ticker ITA as well. Okay. I like that. It's, ETF's always a good easy play. You don't have to worry about picking names, which is notoriously hard in the stock market. Very hard. Um, you know, an ETF based portfolio is great. Yeah. And um, yeah, another good one is Boeing. Yeah, of course. How do right? we how do we leave that out? I um, think everybody just knows about them. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's obviously it's not just a wartime stock. They make they're the, one of the number one airplane providers, um, but they have a military division as well, and all their technology and their planes are used in the military. Um, so that's that's not only a play for a times of uncertainty in war, but it's it's a rock solid American company, not going anywhere. So it's one to look at for sure, especially when. We're hoping to get travel back again. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the airplanes have been grounded right. for some time now. Those things can't just sit around not being used forever, right? Mm. So they might have to start manufacturing more to replace the ones that have been grounded for so long yep. as well. So Boeing could be an excellent play as yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, it's funny. We were talking about this before, and we don't, want, we don't want the world to go to war because it's bad for so many people and things around the world. Um, but you know, you also want to hedge your portfolio against what's going on. So Josh and I figured that if we buy some of these wartime stocks, even if, if they go down, that's because war has been ended or never started in the first place, which is positive for the world, maybe negative for our portfolios because (laughs) we ended up buying some of these uh, defense stocks, but we're happy to martyr our portfolios for the, for the good of the world. Right. So we'll, we'll, allocate some of our portfolio towards these defense stocks in hopes that it goes down so and the war never happens. Exactly. And we were nice enough that we'll do that for everyone. Yeah. What would be your number one? So what's your number one pick? Which one are you going to stop the war with? I think honestly, those equipment providers, like the some of those top yeah. ones. Yeah. Like either like a, a general dynamics, a Lockheed Martin, uh, one of the other ones you mentioned, I think those, those are pure play defense stocks. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if you look at it, they've got great looking charts. They're taking up lately. If you are of the belief that this conflict is actually going to happen and it could be a multi-year thing, that's that's the play. I mean, personally, I'm not sure. I, I just, I can't really see, I feel like the media blows up everything to create the most fear possible in the market. Yeah. Um, but that means that these could be good short-term plays as the, as the countries posture themselves to say that there's going to be a conflict and then six months down the road and nothing ever happens. Mm. But if you can ride these trades out, maybe it's a short-term swing trade get into a few defense stocks, ride it out over the next three months. They go up 20, 30% and you're laughing, right? Yeah. So the one, my, you? Yeah. the number one I'm, I'm picking is, and I, I need to go back to it because I, I made a, a slight error on what I said about the loss. Um, so it's Comstock Resources. That is the one I'm, I am actually going to be putting some money into this one. Right. Um, That's the uh, C- communication C- one? CRK. No, it's a, it's a 
petroleum. Oh yeah, the, the yeah the oil and gas. It's 180 187% revenue growth, okay? Sales have tripled. Their net prop they have net profit of 90 million versus the quarter before was a loss. Right. So I said they had a 90 million dollar loss. They had a 90 million dollar net profit versus a previous quarter of a loss. Think of the difference there. Yeah. Right? And production's now increased 25%. So it's trading at half of its all-time high and it's on an absolute tear. Yeah, interesting. That's the like that is the one if I had to choose and probably what I'll be looking at tomorrow morning. I'm going to be But do do fundamentals always in, reflect in share price as we know from the past not always, right? You know, a company reports and has an amazing earnings report, quarter of the reports, blow everything out of the water, they miss one little thing, you know, their profits have quadrupled since right. last quarter. No, stock down 15%. But all it takes is for, you know, Russia to to go to war and then the US is now losing, you know, a pretty sig- significant portion of where they get their petroleum from. Yep. They got they need to rely on these guys. For sure. No, so, that's, that's not a bad pick. Yeah. I feel like in general, when you're looking at times of uncertainty and your portfolio, you can you can look at assets that you have in your portfolio as two different two different things, risk on and risk off. And we talked about this earlier in the show, but a risk off way of having your portfolio positioned is cash. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, people, they think you, know, you have to have your money invested in the market, whether it's gold as a risk off asset or natural resources or defense stocks or tech stocks, whatever it is, like a risk on asset or is a crypto and in Bitcoin. But, you know, it's not the worst thing to sell a bunch of stuff and just sit in cash. In times of uncertainty, having cash on the side is king. Cash is king, right? That's a, that is a position. That's yeah. a position. Yeah, so yeah. to have cash in your portfolio in times of uncertainty, some people I've seen on Twitter and stuff, they're saying, you know, 2022 has a lot of uncertainty about it. The markets have ripped for the past two years from COVID because of all this fake money being printed. We now have regulation in the crypto markets. We have mass inflation. We have the Fed tapering money bringing out of the market. They're like, I'm sitting in cash and gold and that's it, right? These are experienced investors. They know what they're doing. So it's something to consider to de-risk your portfolio as we said, over the long term, these tech companies, these risk on assets, they always recover. But for a short term period, it might not be the worst thing for us to look at cash, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. I think that's a, a really good call. And TFSAs have opened, right? We can allocate a little bit more money yep. on, from, on the Canadian side of things. Yep. So it's a good time maybe putting some putting some cash in there. Yeah. And tax-free saving account. For sure. And it's uh, what IRA or, or uh, what is it? America, the Roth IRA, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, because as I, as I said, the chart I was talking about at the start of the show, at the moment that a conflict does start, that's where the biggest dip is. Yeah, that's a, yeah. And, and you, you want to have, have cash for that. If you have cash reserves for that flash crash that lasts like, you know, two or three days until the world realizes the world isn't ending. Mm. That's the time to, 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 you know, act by the dip on those tech the stocks, by the dip on whatever, yeah. right? It's the same thing with the COVID crash. If you had cash, if you saw the signs, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. If you saw the signs of COVID starting in China, going to Italy, going to Europe, and you're sitting in America or Canada and you see it's coming, that was in late February, early March. You know, seasoned investors, experienced investors, they're sitting cash. Oh, yeah, they know sure. it's coming. Yeah. And then boom, March 12th or March 14th, the market crashes. That's when they act. And there's always going to be another event. Like we always think that, oh, there's, you know, everything's good now. And, you know, but there was 9-11, you know, which shot the market down. There was the financial crash in 2008, 2009. Um, you know, there was the the the, uh, the invasion of Iraq. There's so always something. There's, oh, there, there was COVID. Like, 
Like gonna be, Omicron, boom. There's always there's it's always be another thing. Black Swan events, right? They say you know Black Swan, but I feel like the crazier the world becomes, the more countries that are be rising to power. There's just so many more things going on in the world today. Yeah, there's always a, a probability of another Black Swan event, another market dive, five percent, ten percent, whatever it is. It keeps happening. Yeah. So just don't be afraid for us to look at some cash in our portfolio. You always want to have cash on the sidelines to buy dips as they come. And we talk about this in crypto all the time. Crypto is super volatile. So you always need cash. If Bitcoin goes down 5%, your favorite altcoin goes down 30%, but you know it's a rock solid project, buy the dip. Mm-hmm. Same thing with stocks. If there's a crazy event in the world and they think there's a war, you know eventually it's going to recover, buy the dip. That's mm-hmm. what we, you know, you do it with a, Amazon or a Google or a Facebook or whatever your favorite tech stock is, they, these companies recover. These are the, this is still the foundation of the, the future of the techno, technological world. Yeah, You got to have cash in your, in your portfolio to buy that dip. So I think cash is one thing that people just need to have a look at right now. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, sometimes really hard when you see other stocks ripping. You're like, oh, if I just put a few, few bucks in here, then I could be, I quit my job. Yep. You know, so. put your McDonald's job and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throw in the hat. Uh, speaking of which, I need to I need to get to work. That's true. That's true. <laughs> McDonald's shift starting. Yeah, I got 15 minutes. Well, how are you gonna how are you gonna buy the dip if you're not? Yeah, that's why I gotta go accumulate some cash. All right, perfect. Well, I think that's a good time to end this off. Then. Yeah, make sure you guys tune to the next one. That one is gonna be a fucking banger. <laughs>